Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of queerphobia, racism, misogyny, and a short mention of self-harm. So, be aware of that. Hi there, everyone. My name is Hannah. My pronouns are they, them, you are. Once again, tuned into a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. Welcome to Queer Sounds. Today's guest um, found his way onto the show through the wildest Instagram and um, through the wildest Instagram interaction I've ever had. Um, <laughs> it was insane. I, uh, I I tagged him in one of my stories, uh, and then you reacted, and I reacted back again, and like. It was basically a conversation for the entire world to see, and here we are. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Hi, I'm Joe. I play in a queer vegan punk band called Joe and Ship Boys, and I'm from the Faroe Islands. Yeah. Um, what are your What are your pronouns? My pronouns are he, him. All right. Cool. But yeah, no, I um, I saw you uh, and your band play during the uh, the digital version of Eurosonic Norderslag, um, the big European showcase festival. And I very much enjoyed your show, so I put, put you up in my Insta stories, and you decided to react to that. I mean, you weren't the only band I put in my <laughs> Insta stories, I, but you are the only one who, who reacted with more than just, you know, a heart-like. Um, you were like, well, if you enjoy your show so much, why don't you come on? What, what, why did you, you specifically ask? Why have you never invited me onto your podcast? Um, wh- why? Why did you decide to like just go ahead and ask that? Um, I, I just thought it was funny, uh, like uh, especially in the all caps. Like if it's people that uh, I haven't seen like regularly interacting with uh, our Instagram user. Um, I always assumed that they're like not used to like being screamed at like that. Uh, I just thought it was funny because like uh, you gave us so much praise, and I noticed, oh, this is a queer podcast. Like maybe I can get in on this. <laughs> so I just like uh, posted it for everyone to see. And I I felt like uh, I gave you some. Uh, some like free marketing there and maybe that would like give me an in <laughs> yeah well it it worked i suppose um yeah <laughs> but i also know that i'm not the only one you responded to in that way so you know it's uh where what what were you trying to achieve like more interviews like this one or is it is, is it all is it all part of your marketing scheme I think it's all part of the the marketing scheme, to be honest. Like, um, uh, yeah, now I'm talking to you. I'm not really shouting at you, but like that's uh, that's like uh, our social media persona. It's just like all caps uh, and exclamation marks and calling people assholes, but also like being uh, very supportive of like good stuff. Uh, I I think it's funny. <laughs> Being aggressively supportive. 
I mean, it 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 also definitely fits with like your with your music and stuff, like because there you basically shout everything as well. It just seems like okay, yes, this is a completely reasonable way for this person <laughs> to talk. I am buying it. I am not going to have any doubts about this. Speaking of um, music, though, how about we we um, we go and play something? First track of the day, 1999, "Wait and Bleed" by Slipknot. I felt the air rise up in me. Down and clear the stone of leaves I wonder out where you can see Inside my shell I wait simply I felt the air rise up in me going to I'm going to level with you uh, of course I am familiar with Slipknot I, uh, I I've, I've, I've also been like 14 years old 13 years old um, so yeah of course but wait and bleed has never been a song that really got into rotation like um, I was I was more of the generation psychosocial you know um, why why did you select this song for today's show? Well, um, it's like you're of the psychosocial generation, but like, uh, how old are you? I'm I'm 28. You're 28. I'm 28 as well. Uh, my birthday was in January, but um, like, when I was a kid, like five years old, uh, there was this thing in the Faroes. You probably have it in other countries as well, but I, I'm not sure what's called. But it's like a it's a daycare where. Um, it's just at some some woman's house. Um, she doesn't have uh, an uh, an education or anything like that. She just like uh, she offers a business. I take care of your kids while you go to work. Like basically a babysitter. Like on the street where where my my that kind of person was. Uh, there are all these like uh, older boys who were like at the time really cute. <laughs> Uh, really edgy and they were like they would sit on their like front lawns with their uh, ghetto blasters and just blast corn limp biscuits slipknot and that sort of stuff and <laughs> it really resonated that with sounds me. very 1999 yes yeah exactly i was five years old in 1999 i didn't didn't think about that but yeah so it's fit um yeah yeah and just like i i fucking loved it right away and uh Wait and bleed. That was like uh, 
that was the the hit from that album so that song was obviously the most played and it also had like older edgy cousins who would like blast the sickest shit and it would be wait and bleed by slipknot which is obviously not the sickest shit but like i was five years old like how the fuck would i know and yeah so i think like uh that was uh that's what pushed me towards like uh, more extreme music and i've always been in the extreme spectrum like maybe maybe when when uh, i got older i was like uh I started to get a little bit more nuanced, but obviously I would like some like calmer stuff. Like uh, everybody loved Gorillas when it came out and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I mostly like stayed in the uh, like heavy end of the spectrum. I'm kind of surprised to hear that because you know usually you're being kind of eased into the heavier music later in life, like around puberty. You just never had never had that transition phase so to say you just dove into the new metal as soon as it came out and you never left i guess that would also kind of made you an, an oddball in that sense like um when the rest of the world was into i don't know like when when the rest in the world was into nelly Furtado and justin timberlake you were there already like being 10 years old listening to slipknot how 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 did your environment react when you're five years old and like requesting a Slipknot song or whatever. Um, it it definitely made me cool in the eyes of the the older boys, which uh, was what I really wanted. <laughs> um, don't we all? Don't we all? Um, but I think uh, it sort of alienated me from like the other kids my age because uh, like they. They found it scary, but like I also sort of found it scary. But like I, I've always liked horror and stuff like that, <laughs> so so I'm okay with being scared. And I just remember like how I felt butterflies in my stomach from listening to that stuff in, in the best way. I like I just had to lie down. Like, oh, this is so good! I can't take it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like almost like I'm I'm having like the best heroin trip of my life. <laughs> yeah. Um. How did your taste in music develop from there? Like you were five years old listening to Slipknot and here you are in like a punk band. Um, you would say the space in between those two places isn't too big, but I guess we might have come full circle in like the past 20 years. Who knows? Like what, what happened over the past two decades of your musical journey? Um, so like uh, when they started using the internet, I found out that I'm, I'm not supposed to like Slipknot. I'm supposed to like uh, other more true bands and stuff like that. I'm not allowed to like Slipknot. <laughs> and um, then like I discovered uh, a lot of uh, thrash bands. Uh, that, but that was not really my thing. But like death metal, that was some great stuff. And grindcore and like also harsh noise. But like by the time I was uh, 16, I, I'd already been through all that stuff. And then like I started to uh, delve into other stuff. I still didn't really like pop music, like um, mainstream pop music. But uh, then I found like the needle drop, Anthony Fantano. And I discovered there's this thing called hipsters. And you're not supposed to like hipsters. But I, I also found out that like hipsters have like way better music than everybody else <laughs> so I, I definitely was like uh, i'll just own it yeah it's fine i'm a fucking hipster i don't care man like i i just love this music 
And then, like, I figured out as time went on that, like, I actually still really liked that first Slipknot album. And, like, Limp Bizkit, I still like that stuff. And and a lot of pop music, I, I really like it. And I, I've, I found out that, like, uh, in my pursuit of my own identity, like, trying to be myself, I... I had to conform to all these norms that you're not supposed to like this. You're not supposed to like that. Oh, if you like this, you can't like that and vice versa. And like now I'm just like, fuck it, dude. I really like Doja Cat and I also like uh, harsh noise. I also like black metal and like super weird stuff like uh, ambient music. Um, and so, yeah, it's sort of full circle, <laughs> I guess. Um, you entering your, your hipster phase in that sense, is that also what you meant by your taste in music becoming more nuanced? Uh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, I found out that like uh, my view on music was extremely limited because uh, I had the radio hits and metal music and punk. And that was it. Like That was my entire world. I don't like jazz, I thought. Because I had heard like uh, two jazz songs that I th I thought sucked, and I don't like country because I had heard like uh, some twangy shit that I didn't like, and and stuff like that. So I'd always like written it off because I've since I was only used to radio, I, I knew that like whatever the radio plays, I don't like that stuff, and I do like metal music. So whenever I would hear like a genre or like a style, I didn't like this song. I I was pretty confident that uh, I obviously wouldn't like any other stuff in this style. But uh, then I found out that that's not the case. Like, uh, music is way more nuanced than that. Um, how do you decide whether or not you like a genre or an artist? Uh, that's the thing. Like, I don't think you're supposed to decide that. But uh, people tend to want you to decide that. Or people may want to decide it as well. By, uh, on their own just to like fit in these specific boxes like uh but i like those boxes and not anymore at least um if you want to call me a metalhead you call me a metalhead you want to call me a poser you fucking call me a poser i don't give a shit man uh i like what i like i like a lot of stuff yeah okay but you know deciding to like an artist or a genre might not be the correct phrase but you do yeah, but, but you still do decide whether or not you can vibe with a certain artist or a certain genre. Like, you, you, you do still vibe with a certain type of music. How can you tell whether or not you, like, emotionally latch onto something? To me, it's like, uh, it's a gut feeling. Uh, like, if it releases enough uh, <laughs> serotonin, uh, I obviously like it. And it's it's sort of hard. Sometimes, like... I can hear some sounds and I'm like, this isn't really doing anything for me right now, but uh, I can tell that like, maybe if I listen to it like a couple more times, I'll like it. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's a tricky one. I'm not sure actually, like, uh, what is it that, that does it? But like, uh, so, some pop music uh, that I know, like I can feel that there's no soul in this. I can still like a song, uh, just because it does something to me, while uh, something that probably sounds like fucking shit, uh, but I can feel like the soul in that, it's also great to me. Like uh, 
yeah, I think it's just like, it's so incredibly nuanced that uh, maybe we'll figure it out in a hundred years. Like we'll be able to say exactly what <laughs> this person likes about this artist. Uh, like what sounds, this combination of sounds this person likes, but it's, it's too hard to get the, like the exact specifics of that, I think. Say hypothetically, you listen to a pop song on the radio, something you never heard before, and you you like it. Is that the you you just listen to it and you think, oh my god, this is amazing? Um, is that the same reaction when you felt uh, when you heard Slipknot for the first time as a five year old? Um, no. I would say that because, uh, like, I wasn't used to music in the same sense. Uh, I had heard music before, obviously, but uh, I think that was the first time I heard music that I really liked. And it's probably, like, the first time you do some sort of drug. Like, <laughs> the first time is always the best time. Uh, sometimes I get like an ounce of that feeling if i hear something like for an example i i i think i mentioned doja cat earlier uh like her song addiction like that song gave me a lot of like butterflies and stuff like that because i liked it so much uh but it's such an intense emotion that it's not like uh, what decides if a song is good or not like a song can be good without giving me like that intense emotion. Somewhere along the line, you uh, you ended up in a punk band. When did punk came into your life? Um, I think like uh, maybe like the late nineties, uh, early two thousands. Uh, you know the TRL stuff, uh, pop punk like Blink One Eighty Two and Sum Forty One, Good Child, and all that stuff. Like that was my shit. And then like uh, School of Rock came out. And it had Sex Pistols and the Ramones, and it just just spoke to me right away. I think I always like liked Attitude more than the heavy stuff. Uh, I still really like heavy stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, but uh, it was always more about the the attitude. I don't care if like stuff is pretty. I I usually just like uh, want a cool aesthetic and attitude. Yeah, just like snowball from there, and I, I'd find like more bands like by by looking at interviews and seeing what what sort of bands these guys listen to, and then I'd play like Tony Hawk's Underground, Pro Skater, you know that sort of stuff with a lot of punk punk bands in there. Classic, exactly. It just it just spoke to me, uh, and I didn't start playing punk music though till I was uh, yes, two thousand eighteen. So like I was. 24 that's when i started enjoying the shit boys um i didn't start playing music till till i was uh, 18 actually that's the first time i started in a band oh dang yeah <laughs> you um mentioned that like as a kid the boys outside with their with 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 their ghetto blasters were part of um how you discovered music like is there a big like underground punk and metal scene in the in the in, on the Pharaohs? How how does that how's the, how's the general vibe there? Uh, it's sort of uh, hard to describe the vibe because it's so different from everything else. Uh, there used to be a metal scene like uh, from two thousand thirteen to like two thousand eighteen ish, 
that's as far as anything goes scene-wise because the rest is just like music is the music scene everybody plays together like we at one point we played with uh, one show actually we played with another punk band and that's it that's the only time we played with a punk band on the pharaohs because uh Punk music and Pharaohs, it's Joe and the Ship Boys and this other punk band that sometimes play, but like they're all uh grandpas now, like actual grandpas. That's that's uh basically the entire punk history on the Pharaohs. Uh so you can't play with punk bands because uh yeah, there are none. If you want to do shows, you gotta play with whoever wants to play with you. So we usually play with like rappers and uh, R&B artists and pop artists, stuff like that, folk musicians. Uh, it's all a mishmash of genres. That's how you do it here. Like if you were to book a show with uh, uh, just punk music, I think that maybe you, you, you get 50 people there at a max because uh, everyone else would be like, this shit is fucking boring. Why would you do a show with only punk music like... Why is there no R&B here? And the same thing goes, like, if you go to uh, an R&B show, you don't want, like, four R&B artists. You want, like, R&B, you want rap, you want, like, electronic music or folk, whatever. Uh, it's how you do it here. You mix all the genres together. And I think that's really cool because everybody knows everybody. And everybody is open to, like, whatever project uh, someone comes up with. Uh, it's, like, a lot of support here. That's pretty cool. You heard it, folks. Um, Queer Sounds has the honor to talk to the second ever punk band, the <laughs> Pharaohs. Um, <laughs> let's actually uh, get another act from the Faroe Islands on this show. Um, queer artist spotlight for today, Hey Amanda by Brimheim. I can still remember sitting in my room on the floor You just turned 11, so had I Three weeks before, we'd be on the landline talking My dad yelled from down the hall To just invite you over and get off the phone artist bio um, of, of 
um, Brimheim. It said DK slash FO. So I'm guessing that's Denmark and Faroe Islands. Like, um, yeah. we'll dive into the politics of that later on because I do feel like I need some clarification and with me a lot, large part of my audience probably as well. But first, why did you select Brimheim as... Uh, uh, why did you select this artist for for today's show? Uh, I think it's because uh, like she is uh, so fucking good. Like, let's just get that out of the way. She's so fucking good. She just came out with her debut album, and I've listened to it so many times. And she's she's just like making waves in the Danish kingdom. She's on the uh, Gaffa, which is like the Danish Rolling Stones magazine. She's on gaffer posters with her tits out, and it's like plastered all over Copenhagen, and it's so cool because like she's Faroese, and you're not allowed to have tits on the Faroe Islands. You have to hide them away. <laughs> tits don't exist on the Faroes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's uh, an out of the closet lesbian, and I don't think we had like an out of the closet lesbian. Uh, on the Faroese scene before, actually, like I don't think we have. I think that's like probably really interesting to uh, to you guys, like that this is a foreign concept to us. <laughs> like the entire concept of being queer is foreign to you? Uh, well, lesbian to be exact, uh, like lesbian uh, as a musician. Uh, obviously, there are uh, out of the closet lesbians in the Faroese, but. Uh, yeah, you don't really talk about queer stuff that much. Uh, you sort of hide it away. Uh, like, uh, I think there are two uh, out gay musicians on the Pharaohs as well. Like, and that's it. It's, <laughs> yeah. So, so, Bremheim. Does, does that include you? Uh, no, I'm bisexual. So that does not include All right, me. I thought you were talking about gay as an umbrella term. Ah, uh, no, no, no. Uh, a homosexual. Two two homosexual men like they're out of the closet that play music in the fairs. I think that's it. Okay, so um, you just described how like the Pharaoh music scene is just a scene in which everybody knows everybody. There are two like out gay men. There is one out lesbian. There is a bisexual punk band. I bet you all know each other. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like uh, Bremheim, she uh, she lives in Denmark. She's lived there for quite some time. So I don't really know her that well. Uh, we've never done a show uh, with her. I don't think she's been like active uh, on the Far East music scene uh, like the past few years. I don't I don't don't think she maybe ever was. But uh, but she is Faroese, and she just had like two shows, sold out shows in the Faroes. But she lives in Denmark. Um, let's take a step back. Like, what exactly are the politics of this? Because, um, like, the Faroe Islands are like an autonomous part of the Danish kingdom. Like, what's what's it, what, How does this exactly work? <laughs> I think it's like sort of like that, but. Uh... Uh, the Danes have a bit more influence still, uh, but like we're moving uh, further and further away from that. Uh, but we're not quite independent yet. But like uh, we we like to think that the Faroe Islands uh, 
is an island nation. Like we are a country, but uh, like in in the same sense that Greenland is a country, uh, they're also like self-governed like us uh, with uh, influence from the Danish kingdom. How does this translate to say queer rights issues? Like um, when the Danish come up with some progressive uh, new law, uh, do the Faroese people just have to cooperate with that or can like some local conservative say yeah no way we're not doing that uh it's the latter uh we don't have to follow that stuff and civil unions uh was a thing in denmark like uh, some years before uh it was a thing in the pharaohs so what 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 is the general um what's what's the general public consensus on the pharaohs right now because i feel like it's a pretty traditional conservative country like also the way you described it earlier how you're not allowed to have boobs and lesbians don't exist <laughs> well lesbians do exist it was just like uh, yeah no i get you it's a figure of speech but you know as far as the traditional conservative is concerned well i think like it is moving in the right direction definitely like uh we are getting there uh I think most people have just accepted that like civil unions are a thing, uh, but still, I got like physically assaulted uh, and called a fucking faggot in 2019 after a show. Uh, so it's like it's getting there, but there are still some definite issues. Definitely, yeah. And yet you, um, with Joe and the Shit Boys, also like brand yourself explicitly as bisexual. So, um, I mean, that's obviously a deliberate choice in order to add to visibility. But um, how do you keep yourself safe in that manner? Uh, that's the thing. Like in the Pharaohs, uh, you want to like be as neutral as possible. And... That's like the biggest uh, hindrance in uh, gay rights and like feminism and stuff like that. It's uh, that the consensus is to be as neutral as possible. So if uh, if someone is like uh, at a birthday party and uh, spewing some fucking racist shit, the person who calls that person out is the problem. Because uh, like if you were to ignore it, we would go to like neutrality faster. And uh, when I I am uh, standing on a stage and saying that I am bisexual, uh, people like will maybe anonymously trash talk and stuff like that, but they're not gonna like confront me usually. Like even though I I did get physically assaulted once, usually they'll they'll just ignore it and talk about other stuff because uh, you have to have neutrality. It's fucking weird, man. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> I also feel like your um, national sense of neutrality like, could also be a strength in the sense that you can just go ahead, be queer, and no one's going to say and tell you no. Is that, is, that, um, is, is, is that the right image? Is that, is that a correct assumption? Um, but it's more along the lines that like, you're not going to get invited to stuff and like, if there's a kid in school that has some queer tendencies, uh, teachers are gonna pick up on that and be like, no, you can't do that. And like parents as well. Yeah, so like that's the thing. Um, 
people do get excluded and there have been some uh, physical attacks in the past but um there definitely hasn't been a lot of uh, reports uh, the past few years but i've spoken to some queer people that have said like uh i tried to come out uh, uh like when my dad found out he beat me up and stuff like that so that shit happens, uh, but if you were to like uh, start screaming uh, homophobic slurs in the middle of the street, like that is not neutral, you know. <laughs> As... Right. Yeah, that's exactly what my thought was because you know you also mentioned racism as a part of this and like queer phobia and probably misogyny as well. Like it's so weird that it, that that you know marginalizing minorities is considered neutral well um the thing is like if, if you spout some racist shit at a birthday party like uh i think now in 2022 uh m most people would agree that that's not okay that's not neutral but uh they would rather want you to ignore it because like if you engage it you start a conversation like you start um yeah a fight basically like a verbal fight and then you're the bigger problem because like you started the fight. You should have just ignored it. You should be the, like the, the bigger man, you know, like it's a, it's fucking bullshit. It's basically the good old internet rule. Don't feed the trolls. Yeah, exactly. But, um, the thing is you kind of have to free, uh, feed the trolls once in a while, because, uh, if you just let hateful shit like stand, it's going to corrupt quite a lot of shit is that also why you and um and the band are like explicitly political um yeah i i think that like i'm not the, the best musician um i'm not like uh, i'm not good at drawing either and like stuff like that i i'm not good at that shit but like i know that i can like get on stage and make a difference so I'm not going to, like, sing about uh, some really deep shit, uh, like, emotions and stuff like that, by using uh, a lot of uh, convoluted symbolism. But I do know that I can make uh, a difference with, uh, like, my political stuff. So that's what I've decided to do. When you're making, like, punk music in a country that doesn't really have a big punk scene. You're making political music in which people are eager to ignore everything political under a under a, a, a guise of neutrality. Like, aren't you afraid it's not going to be effective at all? Uh, well, I, I know that it's effective because, like, uh, it's a shock. Like, if you go on stage and say that you're bisexual it's a shock because you're not supposed to do that and i think like if you can shock a lot of people it's going to do something to them if i go on stage and say that i'm bisexual and people will be like oh that's not neutral that's like oh you should not say that and stuff like that and then maybe like they'll think about like why can't he say that like why is that an issue and if they can't really answer that then maybe like they'll look inwards and be like, oh, maybe I'm the problem. Uh, but also, uh, I know that the, it's uh, 
effective uh, effective in, in making a safer space for uh, queer people because uh, people have come up to me and been like the first time i saw you guys uh, i decided to stop cutting uh, that was like uh, a trans man who who showed me like his arms they were covered in scars just like basically nothing left besides scars uh, that was like yeah he showed me his arms like two years after the first time he saw us and that really meant a lot to me so i know that like it does make a difference how did you react uh i was uh obviously like uh, uh really emotional about it uh because uh, i had no idea i made this sort of difference like before that it it had been like uh yeah i saw joan chippers and it's the first time i felt like i belong and stuff like that but like saying i saw joan chippers and i decided to stop mutilating myself that's uh that's when you know that like you you fucking make a difference and obviously like uh, not everybody who gets affected by the music is going to reach out so who knows what's going on mm, we've been talking about the difference you specifically you you and the band make we've been talking about um your the current image you've got of the pharaohs um what do you hope the image of the pharaohs will be in the future I think I just want a more progressive Faroes. I want like uh, I want gay couples to be able to uh, adopt because they can't do that right now. I want like uh, women to be allowed to have tits. Uh, I want like uh, people who aren't white to be able to call themselves uh, real, genuine. Right. People. How about we actually get some music up again? Best concert experience. Track number three for today, Prancer by Dylan Escape Plan.
2013 off of the album One of Us is the Killer, Prancer by Dillinger Escape Plan. You mentioned some, um, you mentioned this one in the category Best Concert Experience. Paint a picture for us. How did this show take place? How did it happen? Um, so, like, bands don't tour the Faroe Islands. We have uh, very few festivals, and like, at the time of this show, I think we had like two festivals that booked the foreign bands. Uh, so, like, if especially if you want like smaller bands, you have to leave the Faroes. So I went to Denmark, and like the Dillinger Escape Plan was my favorite band at the time, and like. Greg Puziato, uh, the front man, he's like my idol. Um, I just love that, love his energy and like how confrontational he is with the audience. Uh, I'm definitely like, I take a lot of my shit from him. <laughs> I copy him a lot. I'll, I'll just admit that. And so it's really intense music. And I come to like the venue and the, it's like this really cool industrial building. Uh, you don't have that sort of shit in the fair. So I'm just like, whoa, what is this? This is so cool. And it's packed. Uh, and <laughs> as soon as they start playing, like Greg comes out on stage and I'm at the front. And I'm just like still shocked that that I, I'm w witnessing the Dillinger escape plan. Like this is actually fucking happening because... Uh, like, you don't really do it that much, like, go off the islands for a concert. And so Greg comes out and, like, he immediately comes over to me and grabs my shirt and just fucking rips it off. And I'm I'm just like, this is the greatest moment of my life. And he's just, like, screaming in my face before, like, just tossing me aside. Like, he's fucking done with me. He's on to the next one. And then, like... I get kicked in the head and it's the guitarist who stage dived. He didn't mean to kick me in the head, but it happened. <laughs> it was incredibly intense. I, I fucking loved it. I, I love how you can actually like hear your facial expression, like just the glee with which you're telling <laughs> this. Like I can, I can just hear that you are telling this with a smile from ear to ear. It's amazing. You said you copy a lot. Um, is this does that mean we can also expect to be kicked in the face during a Joe and the Shitboy show? Um, that's the thing. Like maybe getting kicked in the face is not the best thing to do because not everybody wants to get kicked in the face. It's sort of hard to build a safe space with face kicking, you know. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but now it's mostly like uh, grabbing people and uh, going into their faces, not getting like uh, really rough with them, but uh, jumping around on stage and being really energetic and just like letting the music take over. That's sort of like uh, the Joe and Shit Boys vibe. That's what we do. And I also like, I love going out into the audience and just getting in their faces and, and, and like letting people sing into the microphone and and just uh, you know following the vibe actually uh, like we played in the UK recently and uh, and I just like split the crowd apart and told somebody to like show me his moves like in, in the circle and he just did like a full fucking split. It was insane. And then like he jumped out of the circle and other people jumped in and they also had like sick moves. 
it just kept on going and i i think that's that's just fucking beautiful because uh, that's the, the shit boys way you never know what you're gonna get and then like that dance circle sort of took over and like i just stopped singing and they kept on playing but like I was just there to hype the the dancers up, and it was fucking great. How um, do you go about touring? Because, like, especially in the Pharaohs, when there's not much going on and only two festivals and hardly any underground scene, I bet you kind of have to go abroad in order to, like, give a proper string of shows. Um, Yeah, definitely. Like... A thing here is uh, Christmas parties. That's uh, like you want to play a lot of Christmas parties because then you can string shows together and play in front of like a very select crowd. So you can keep on like improving yourself uh, without exposing yourself because uh, in the fairs you play six shows and everybody's seen you twice. (laughs) Uh, So you can't like, (laughs) yeah, people are going to get sick of you before you get any good. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you kind of have to leave the pharaohs if you don't get the Christmas gigs, uh, and it's it's fucking expensive to leave the islands. But uh, we get a grant from uh, the airline here, like an artist grant, so that helps a lot. So then, like yeah, we we played a bunch in the Netherlands and the UK, and we're supposed to play a lot of other places. But like you fucking know about like. I think it's called COVID-19, something like that. You've heard of it? Never heard Ah, of it. shit, man. Can't recommend it. <laughs> but um, speaking of uh, touring the Netherlands, like you are, for example, booked to the Dutch Lowlands Festival upcoming summer. I've got tickets, so hopefully we'll meet each other there. Um, yeah, hopefully. It's the third time we've been booked there. <laughs> like it's been canceled like the two And you years haven't before. played there once. Nope. Well, um I guess there's a first time for everything, right? Exactly. Um, but um that being said, at that festival there are fifty five thousand people which is a thousand more people than the entire population of the Faroe Islands. Like, how how do you make sense of that? <laughs> well, like, all input we get, like, uh, media-wise from any other place than the Faroes, it's uh, off, like, cities with more people than the Faroes, so... It's not really, like, shocking to me, but it's kind of cool, not going to lie, to see so many people on one festival site and seeing so many people at every fucking show. It's it's great. I love it. Um, Have you gotten the opportunity to play festivals at all, considering the state of the world? Um... So, like, we did some festivals before COVID hit. Like, we played in Iceland Airwaves uh, in 2019. That's the only foreign festival we've done, like, before COVID. And then we went to, uh, um, like, Boardmasters in the UK. Uh, it was really cool because, like, fucking Gorillas played there as well and Slow Time and stuff like that. And then, like, we've done some smaller festivals in uh, the UK as part of a tour. 
And in the Netherlands, we've also done smaller festivals. We played uh, left of the dial in Rotterdam, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's in Harlem. It's a uh, oh man, they're gonna they're gonna kill me. They're probably gonna listen to this. Oh man, I'm sorry. All right, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what festival takes place there, but I definitely know the venue. I've been there like a handful of times. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, not too many people, but like it was just this building, right? Yeah. Um, shows happening like all around the building. It was it was really fucking cool. Clico Fest, that's the name. Clico Fest. Oh, all right. Yeah, um, I, 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 that name rings a bell. I mean, I'm I'm not in Harlem a lot, but it it this conversation might be getting a little bit too in crowd. Um, um, with that, like, do you prefer playing club venues or festivals? I think like. Uh, like we played a lot of different places, like public restrooms and skate parks and everywhere imaginable. And I think smaller spaces are usually more fun, but we have played like large festival venues. If if there are not, uh, if there are aren't a lot of people, it's still gonna be a good time. But it's not as cool as uh, when it's packed. But like the smaller shows, I think you get like this uh, special connection with people, and sometimes they'll like get more confident. Like, especially if I engage them a lot and make them a part of the show. So that's when you get like a fucking dance party and stuff like that. So I think uh, I gotta give it to like the club shows. All right, let me know when there's another club show coming up somewhere in my area, and you can put me on the list. So, um, moving on to the last track of the day, um, you opted to go with an artist called um, Audrey Nuna, but I also like want to give you the opportunity to change that into one of your own songs if you feel so inclined. Uh, I think that people are probably going to check out John Shipboys either way, right? We've, 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 you might be right. People are gonna check out Joe and the Shit Boys regardless, and if they're not, well, they better. Um, but um, we can also spend some attention, like on uh, Audrey Nuna. Why did you, uh, why did you select her uh, initially? Uh, it's because uh, I think she's fucking great. Like her album, A Liquid Breakfast, it's uh, a fucking masterpiece, and. She's getting like a, a little over a million Spotify listeners uh, a month right now. But I think that like in 2023, everybody's going to know who Audrey Nuna is because it's so fucking good. Like it's uh, R&B, trap, rap, uh, pop, like mixed together, um, which is maybe not, not, not the most unique mix, but... Man, you just gotta listen to her. She's just so fucking good. I I think it's also uh, a good segue into talking about that. I also do like Faroese radio and where I play new music. And on the most recent episode, I played Audrey Nuna and that song that I picked. Uh, it's just like it's it's so fucking good, Hannah. <laughs> um, yeah, this 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 kind of ties in again. Um to what we talked about in the beginning of the episode. Like, you don't necessarily know why it's good and why you like it. It's just a gut feeling where you're thinking, damn, this is it. This just hits home. Yeah, and I did 
absolutely get that gut feeling from uh, that Audrey Nuna song and uh, many songs from the album. Like this song is a part of the deluxe edition, which came out uh, in January this year, even though the album came out in January last year. So this is a newer song and it just hit me so hard. <laughs> I'm also very much entertained by um, like her online presence, so to speak, because um, I was looking at um, like the Bremheim Spotify uh, like about section. Uh, there, there, there was this bit of information that you'd expect, like this is her name, this is where she's from, yada yada yada. Then I wanted to do the same thing with Audrey Nuna, and instead of mentioning like what her music's like, who she is, where she's from, it just said in all lowercase letters. I poop naked. <laughs> That's beautiful. It is. It is beautiful. Uh, how did you How did you find out about this artist? Was this because of your work at the radio station? Uh, I think maybe because of my work at the radio station, uh, I listen to a lot of uh, uh, varied music, a very diverse music, uh, because I want to make it as interesting as possible, and I want to like play. Um, songs that like oh, this song is gonna like appeal to this uh audience like this segment and and this song is gonna appeal to that segment and by doing that and keeping the songs current i get a lot of cool uh recommendations in the spotify release radar and audrey nuna came up uh i think in october last year and i've just been listening to the album on repeat since because oh man it's so good Mm, I'm guessing listening to new music is a large part of your job, but with that, the fear of new mu listening to new music always becoming work is omnipresent. Like how how do you listen to music in your free time? Uh, that I don't really listen to music on my free time because uh, whenever I listen to music, it's work because it's research for the radio show because I do it every week and. I need to have new music every week. So whenever I listen to music, my, my antennas are always up. Like, uh, can I use this for the show or not? As of right now, I haven't gotten sick of it, but it's definitely a possibility. And I have no idea, like, what to do next. So right now, I'm just, like, fucking uh, riding the wave and loving every second of it. I, I just love listening to music, but it is... It is my job. It is work. Uh, whenever I listen to music, it's work. And that is sort of weird, not gonna lie. It doesn't give me like... I wouldn't say it's worse now when I listen to music, but I definitely get something else uh, out of listening to music now than I did before the my job at the radio station. Is there a link between the way you listen to music and the way you play music? Like, do both of these things feel like work? Sometimes, not gonna lie, uh, sometimes it feels like work when I perform a show, but, like, not through the entire show. Like, sometimes I know that if I do this, people are gonna go nuts. Like, this is a really effective thing to do. And that's when it sort of starts feeling like work because, like, I know if I say, like, this line, people are going to fucking laugh, but I no longer find it funny at all. Uh, but, like, these people haven't heard the joke before. So that's when it sort of feels like work. But I think I'm pretty good at uh, 
like going against those things like I know this is going to work, but I'm bored with it. So let's do something else. How do you keep it interesting for yourself? And by doing that sort of stuff. And also like our songs are really short uh, and we have a lot of them. Like, I think we have almost 40 songs written right now that we play uh, at shows. And uh, we, so that's in half hour set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah our sets are usually like 40 minutes i think um and like when you have that many shows you can like shuffle them about uh i'll like be like uh, let's do five songs in a row and then i'll talk some shit and then do three songs and i'll talk some shit and like just spice it up in that sense but also i think it's uh i make it interesting for myself by uh by engaging with the audience because uh, if a person hasn't been to a shitboy show like you have no idea what what you're gonna get and it's very different how people react to that like i think they they almost always enjoy it and that's great but uh, i think it's really interesting to make people give something uh, of themselves to the experience Sometimes, like, people are going to start chants and you're going to, like, engage them or maybe, like, change it. I remember one time I started, like, just impromptu singing that song, uh, Hey Baby by DJ Otzi. You know the one. <laughs> and everybody joined in. And this is a punk show. And I think that's really cool. Um, one time, all the band members got, like... Uh, different chants like from the audience at different points in the show and i think that show like lasted an hour because people were so into it and everybody was joining in people were jumping on stage and singing and somebody wanted to go on stage and like say hi to their partner and like give an emotional speech <laughs> about how much they love them and everybody is like cheering him on it's uh it's that sort of stuff that makes it interesting for me like the most that keeps it from feeling like work. It's uh, what people give give back. I can't wait to uh, experience all of that chaos, wonderful, wonderful chaos myself. But for now, let's sign off uh, and, and, and call the episode here. This has been Queer Sounds. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support this show, you can do so by telling a friend, drop them a link, Tell them, hey, uh, I've listened to this very cool podcast about cool punk music and uh, we were having a blast and I hope you will enjoy it as well or something along those lines. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could just be like, hey, when, whenever someone tweets, do you got any cool podcast recommendations? Tag them at Queer Sounds Pod because that's where we are on the interwebs. At Queer Sounds Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you've got some spare... Uh, spare money lying around then we would also very much appreciate it if you would send it our way that's patreon.com slash queer sounds uh hannah could they could they maybe also send it our way <laughs> um okay that's at 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 show and the shit posts on instagram you can get in touch there um <laughs> but yeah no uh, uh at uh, patreon.com slash queer sounds you can get some uh, queer sound stickers you can get access to the queer sounds discord um, you can uh, there, there's a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of fun stuff extra content you know the works I felt like there was something else I wanted to say but I forgot what it was uh, but yeah no final call are we going to play a 
Joe and the Shipboy song, or are we going to play Audrey Nuna? Let's just do Audrey Nuna. She deserves it. She's so fucking good. Like, people are going to listen to Shipboys either way. All right, then. Definitely look up Joe and the Shipboys then. But for now, we're going to sign off with Audrey Nuna. Here's a track called Changes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah. That was a blast, Anna. Trash! Save the planet! Save the planet!